0: I think, um, I'm sure Pastor Yoder has experienced this before, where you, you have this fear of while well, you're marrying a mic and we're having the same service, you're afraid that somebody's going to turn on you. And I had that fear the entire time we were in, I don't know uh, what was going on, but uh, it's a it's a fear. It's a genuine fear Because if somebody turns that mic on, it's not going to be a blessing for you guys. So uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to talk about Abraham tonight. We're going to be talking about the failure of unbelief. So we've been in our series the past couple of weeks, talking about growing from failures. And what we've been doing is we've been studying the biggest failures throughout the Old Testament. And we've been studying these failures, trying to grow from these failures, trying to, to learn some things about these, these people that have failed. But also we're learning about the God that we serve. We're learning about the heart of our God in the midst of our failures. And so tonight we're going to be talking about Abraham, the failure of unbelief. In the middle of my junior year in college, uh, I had been through. Co- I've been in college a little while. It's my junior year, and, and so I was out at West Coast. and In the middle of my junior year, they decided that they were going to hire a new dean of men, and the, all the staff. They were all really, really excited about it. They were, they were, they were pumped that we had this new dean of men and, and dean of women, and they were, they were excited about it. And, and for the students, when when you bring on a new staff member, most of the time. You're, there's, there's a little bit of skepticism, right? You're you're trying to test this guy out, see how strict he's going to be, see 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 what he's gonna what he what he's gonna be like. And I was a dorm supervisor at the time, and so I got to know him pretty well uh, in the first couple weeks that I was there at school. Uh, we get, we had some meetings with him and other things like that. And I remember it was a couple weeks into the semester, and he came to me and he said, "Nick, I'm going to be inspecting your dorm, so make sure your guys are, they, they've cleaned up, make sure their rooms are, their beds are made, like make sure everything." is good. And I had been in college for a while. I'm a junior. And so I was like, you know what? I- I've got this. It's okay. We've been through room inspections before. People have expe- inspected our rooms the entire time I've been in college. I was very pretty good at it. And I-, I very rarely got demerits for my room not being clean. And so I was like, you know what? We- we've got this. It's going to be fine. And so I get up that morning and I, I-, I was a little bit late. And so I-, I threw some stuff in the closet trying to get ready. And I, and I looked at my bed. My bed was all straggled up. And so I threw my sheets on my bed and uh, I kind of just tried to make my bed a little bit. And I looked at it and I was like, you know, it's okay. I won't get demerits for it. I I thought that I had made it well enough. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. And so I I go to classes and and I come back to my room and there is the site that no college Bible college student ever see on my bed. There is a yellow slip, right? And I had gotten demerits and so I walk over to my bed and I pick up the demerit slip and I'm thinking, man, did I forget to take out the trash? Like, what did I do wrong? And I look at the piece of paper and it says, bed not made. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? I clearly made my bed. I was so angry. I took a picture of it. I think we have a picture of it up here. I was so, uh, and I, and I, and I was, I was so close to sending it to the dean of men because clearly I, ma- I had made my bed. Kind of. See, I I had thought that I did the right thing. I had thought that I had prepared for it. I thought that I did the right thing. But it wasn't what the Dean of Men wanted. And my fear for many of us is that we go throughout our Christian life and hey, we we come to church, right? And we wear wear a tie when we come to church and and we're we're dressed like a Christian and we go to places that Christians go to and and we spend our whole life. We're like, man, we're, we're in church all the time. And my fear is that many of us, we're in church and we're doing the things that, that a Christian should do, the entire time not in faith. We're doing things. We're we're, we're doing the things on the outside what, what Christians should do, like we're dressing how Christians should dress. We're talking like Christians should talk, and the entire time none of it is in faith. Just like me with with, with the dean of men, I w- I was thinking I thought that I was doing what he wanted, but wasn't what. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12 tonight talking about the, the, the failure of unbelief. And the reason this is so important is because the Bible says that anything that we don't do in faith is sin. Like if you, can't, if you don't have the faith that if God saw you doing it, it would be okay, then it's sin. Whatever you don't do in faith, God says, and so my question for us is, are, are we living by faith? Are we living, is our life marked by faith? And so in Genesis chapter 12, this is really the beginning of Abraham's walk with God. God had just called Abraham and he said, Abraham, Abraham, when you study his life, his life is really a mix of a couple different things. It's a mix of acts of faith and acts of the flesh. Abraham had a lot of success. Abraham did a lot of things right. Abraham was used of God in a, a lot of really incredible ways, right? But Abraham was not perfect. Abraham wasn't the, the hero in the story. Abraham had some really, really bad things that he did throughout his life, which is encouraging that someone that God used as great as Abraham still had times in his life failed. And that's encouraging for us because no matter how terrible we may fail, God is none. And so that's really where we pick up with Abraham. God had just called Abraham out of where he was living. He said, Abraham, I want you to leave all your riches. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything that you own. I I want you to leave all your riches and all your house and everything. I want you to leave it all here, and I want you to go. And But I'm not going to tell you where I want you. I just want you to go. And so what does Abraham do? Right? He goes. He leaves everything that he has worked for his entire life, and he leaves it all behind, and he does what God says to do. He, He acts in That God would do what he said to do. And God tells Abraham, Hey, Abraham, I'm going to bless them that bless you, I'm going to curse them that curse you, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. And Abraham's like, Okay, I trust you. And so he leaves. Ten verses later. We're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 12, verse number. And there was a famine in the land. And Abraham, or Abram, sorry, went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near. Uh, to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look at. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, Is this thy wife? And they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, And my soul shall live because of it. And it came to pass when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. And the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, and he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen, and he asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels, and the Lord got, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues, because of Sarai Abram. So today in this story. We're going to look at two hints that you might not be living by faith. Two hints that you might not be living by faith. The first hint that I see in this passage is that you know you're lacking faith when you're trusting in your own logic rather than God's word. Listen to that statement. You know that you're lacking in faith when you trust your own logic rather than what God said. Look at verse number 11. Look look back at verse number 11. And it came to pass when he was come near, in, into, into, near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Now think about, like imagine this conversation. Abram, he, he, he's, a, he's, he's been married to Sarai for a while now, and he looks at Sarai and he says the thing that all wives want to hear, right? He, he goes, Abram walks over to Sarai, they're, they're traveling down because there's this famine, right? And they don't have any food. And so Abram knows the, Egypt, the, the Egyptians, they, they have food. And so he's traveling down to Egypt and on their way down, can you imagine like they're riding their, their camels and Abram looks over to Sarai and he says, Sarai, you, you, and Sarai looks back. Oh, thank you so much. Abram was like, yeah, yeah, you're actually so beautiful that um when the Egyptians see how beautiful you are, they're going to kill me to get to you. And so what I want you to do is just let them get to you without killing. You. Think about that conversation. I mean, imagine guys on your way home tonight, you have that conversation with your wife. Don't have that conversation. You'll get smacked in the head, right? It's, that's a terrible thing to say to your wife. Hey, let them get to you before they get to me. And what he says is really interesting. Look at verse number 12. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians... Oh, sorry. Sorry. Verse number 11. And it came to pass when he was come near unto Egypt that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now... Next two words. What are they? I know. Behold now. I know. <laughs> See, Abram had just gotten this huge promise from God. Like God came to Abram and said, Abram, I'm going to make many nations of your name, right? Like you're going to have all of these kids, or at least your lineage is going to go on for a really long time. And through you, I am going to deliver Israel from their sins. Like I am going to save the world through your lineage. I'm going to make a great nation of you and I'm going to bless those that bless you. Like I'm going to be good to those that are good to you. And for those that are evil to you, I'm going to be evil toward them. God makes this promise to Abraham. And Abraham, when he gets to Egypt, rather than saying, hey, you know what? God said that He's going to provide. God said He's going to take care of us. So Sarah, we're just going to go there. We're going to live in faith. No, when he goes there, he says, hey, Sarah, I know. Like, sure, God said that He was going to take care of us. God, God said that He was going to make a great nation of me. God said that He was going to bless those that bless me. God said all these things, but, but I know, like this is what I've experienced. This is this is how I feel. This is what I think is going to happen. See, instead of trusting God, what He does is He uses His own blood. And what Abraham tells Sarah to do wasn't really a lot, right? We know that it was. More of a half truth, which a half truth is a whole lie. But Sarai was technically Abram's half sister, so he kind of could maybe make the claim that he wasn't lying. It's kinda of like like if you asked your kid if your if your kid had taken or your child had taken like cookies that you told them not to take, and you go over to them and they have chocolate all over their face, right, from the cookies. And, and you walk up to them and you say, Hey, did you eat did you eat a cookie? And they say, No, no, I didn't. Because they actually ate two cookies, right? So they weren't actually lying. They didn't eat one. They ate two. That's kind of the logic that Abram is using here, right? He's saying, you know, I'm not really going to tell a whole lie. I'm just going to kind of tell a half truth. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of deceive a little bit because I know, like, I know what these people are going to do. See, Abram's life with God so far has been fake. He's left his home. He's left everything that he owns. He's left everything up until this point. Abram feared God, but now that he's about to go to Egypt, Abram begins to fear man. He starts scheming. He starts trying to figure out, hey, how can I preserve myself? How can I do what I can do? How can I make sure that I survive? The only person that Abram cares about here is himself. He starts scheming, trying to figure out what's going on. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said that faith is living without scheming. Like, faith is not always trying to fit, hey, I know this is gonna happen, so I need to do this, and I, I need to figure this out, and I need to do this. That's, that's not what faith is. So we, 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 wanna, we wanna try to figure it out on our own. We wanna try to do things on our own. We wanna try to figure every little detail out of our life, and sometimes that's not God's, not God's. So, why did Abram do this? Why does Abram lie to his wife? Or, sorry, to, to Pharaoh? Why does he do it? Well, maybe, maybe he forgot God's promise. Maybe he forgot what God said. Maybe he was just really, really scared and he didn't want anything to happen. Maybe he didn't like it. I don't know. But whatever the case is, in this, in this moment, Abraham does not trust that. He's not trusting what God said. He's trusting what he's. And so often in our life, we find ourselves trusting our experience or what we know or, or what we think could happen or whatever the case is, we trust ourselves more than we trust we trust ourselves, listen to that, we trust ourselves more than we do. In fact, any sin that you do, we talked about this last week, any, I believe that any sin that you commit can be traced back to one of three sins, right? Either what we talked about last week, a lack of thankfulness. Like, you're not thankful for what you have, so you're going to try to get something that God doesn't want you to have, a lack of thankfulness, right? Also, pride, right? Pride is a root sin for most of the things, most of the sins that we commit. But another one, something else that you can trace back to almost every sin that you do is that you don't trust. Like God said this was wrong. God said that I shouldn't do this. God said this was evil. God said this was would destroy my life. But I want to do it anyway. I feel like God's holding out on me. I feel like God's, God's holding something good from me. I don't trust him. So I'm going to do what I want. And we would never say that. We, we, would, never, we would never actually like verbalize that. But that's what we believe. We believe God is holding something good from us. We don't trust Him. And so we take what we, we take whatever we want. And Satan has been trying to do this since the beginning of the time. Like, remember in the garden, like, Satan, He comes to, or He comes to Eve, and He, He, He lies to Eve, and He says that, Hey, God is basically, God is holding something from you. God is holding something good from you. God is holding something that you're going to enjoy, something that is good from you. God is not trustworthy. It's the lie that Satan has used since the beginning of time. And my fear is that many of us have fallen. We say, you know, God is good. God, God's great all the time. God's good. Like, we say these words, but our lives don't reflect it. Because if we believed him, and if we trusted him, we wouldn't use our own logic. We would trust what he said about the way that we would trust him. So what is it that you're not trusting? Think about it. What is it that you came in tonight that you don't want to trust God. What is it? Maybe it's your finance. We talked about giving tonight. We talked about how, 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 about how we should steward our finances as Christians and disciples. Maybe it's your finance. Maybe you know that you should give. Maybe you know that, that God wants you to give at least your tithe. And we talked about tonight that the commandment in the New Testament is really generous giving. And so the tithe is really the least that we should give. And so maybe you know that, that God, he wants you to give, but, but you're a little, they're a little bit low on finance. And you know, like you've listened, to, you've listened to Dave Ramsey and you know that you, you need to save your money. You need to pay off that debt. And so, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to hold off on giving to church because I know, I know that, that I need this money and I need to put it here and I've got to save up here. I know. And what you're really saying is I don't trust. Maybe it's an app on your phone that, that you know is not good for your relationships, Whether it causes you to see things that are inappropriate or maybe you just waste time on it. You know it's not good in your relationship with Jesus, but but you're scared to give it up because you're scared you might miss out on something. Like you're scared to give it up because, because you feel like God might be holding something good. And what you're really saying is, God, I don't trust. You. What is it tonight that is so important? What is it tonight that if God asks you to give it to him, you, I can't give that to you. I, I can't. Because I know that was Abraham's failure, right? He knew better than God, or at least with so many of us, we live that way. We live that lie that Satan has been trying to convince me from the beginning of time. We're living, we're living like God's not. We might not say it, but we're living like it. So, what is it that you would rather trust? Would you rather trust your what you know and your logic and what you think is good and what you think is right, or would you rather trust the God that created the universe? Who would you rather? Trust? I read a story this week. Gabby and I were reading a, a book together for college class that we taking. and this book was really interesting there's this there's this woman her name was Irene Smith and in the early 1900s she had gone to Japan and she started really an orphanage for for girl young girls who were going to be used for really terrible things and so what she did was she would rescue them from her their captives right and they would she would she would house them and she would feed them and she would teach them about about Jesus she would she would teach them the Bible and she would teach them English she would she really invested in all of these kids. And one of the families that she got to know over there was a, a family of, it was really a, a, a full family. The, the father though had died in an earthquake. And uh, in that earthquake, the, the woman's son, whose name was Dashiro, Dashiro was injured and, and he contracted tuberculosis. They knew that Dashiro was going to die. There was no hope for Dashiro. He was just a young boy, probably about four years old. And, and he he, they knew that Dashiro was going to die. And so what Irene did is she went to the hospital and she asks the doctor, she says, doctor, the, the mother of this child, she's staying with us. And so I would really love it if Dachiro Hiro could come home with us so that he could stay with his mother for the last days of his life. Like, I would love that. Is there any possible way that we could do that? And the doctor thought about it for a second. And he said, well, yeah, but you would have to keep him away from all of the other, Like he couldn't be in contact with any of the other children. And then he also needs plenty of sunlight if he wants to stay healthy and comfortable. So he's got to be away from everyone and he needs plenty of sunlight. And so Irene, she goes back and she had the perfect spot in mind. There was this, there was this cabin behind the house. And so she runs out there to the cabin all excited and she walks into the cabin and she, she, she starts fixing it up. And the kids, the, the girls that were there, they start coming out and they start fixing it up. And, and so before they knew it, they, they had this place fixed up to where Dashiro, he could come, but there was a problem. There was this, mound tall mound of dirt that was right outside of the cabin that was keeping any sunlight from coming in and this tall it was a huge huge mountain and so the girls they got excited about it right and so they go out and they start shoveling this mountain and they're taking the beach was right across the street and so it, where the ocean was and so they they start shoveling and they bring the one shovel at a time right they bring the dirt over to the beach And they're they're working at this all day and they they go a couple of weeks and they haven't even put it. And they are just, right? Because they all want Dashiro. They want him to come home. And they're sitting in in family devotions where all the girls would gather around and Irene would share scripture with them. And she read a verse from Mark 11. And Jesus, he's speaking and he says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mouth, Be thou removed and cast into this and shall not doubt in him, but shall believe in those things which he saith. Come to pass and he shall have whatever. So these girls, they get excited. Like Jesus just said that whatever mountain they want moved, if they pray and they believe with all their heart, Jesus is going to move it for them. And so what do they do? They start praying. Like they're like, Jesus, move. We can't move this mountain on our own. We can't get it out of the way. There's this giant mountain of dirt. We want Dashiro to come home. And so they start saying, like, praying with all of their heart that the mountain will be moved. And so Irene, she goes on a trip. and, And when she comes back, she walks out front and when she walks out front or out back, the, the, the mountains. And she walks inside and she's like, girls, what happened to the mountain? Because she knew those girls didn't do it themselves. And so they came, they all came running at Irene so excited. And they came and they said, Irene, three days after you left, th- these men came and they just, they brought shovels and a dump truck and they just started throwing this dirt from the mountain onto the dump truck. And when we asked them what they were doing, they said that they needed the dirt for a playground for other. See, what these girls did is they believed, it's it's this amazing concept, they believed what Jesus said and then what Jesus said would happen actually happened. But we read verses like that. And we read verses through the New Testament when God says that, hey, if you give, I'll supply your needs. And hey, if you obey me, and if you show your love for me in that way, it will be worth it. Like you'll store up crowns in heaven for the things that you sacrifice here on earth. And we read these verses, and in our mind, we're like, man, he couldn't have met with I wonder what would happen if we had faith like that. I wonder what would happen in my life if I actually believed half the things I read. There's it's this problem that, that we have in America where we have so much, we don't really need to trust. We know that we're lacking in faith when we trust our own life. But then we know that we're lacking in faith when we desire success more than our. Life. Look at verse number 14. Verse number 14 says this, And it came to pass that when Abraham was come into Egypt, that the Egyptians beheld a woman, and she was fair. And the princes of, of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abram, well, for her sake. And then he gives Abram all of this stuff. He he makes Abraham rich because he takes who he thought was his sister, actually his wife. And now Abram, he's in this pretty comfortable place, right? I mean, Abram, he he's got everything he could ever want. He he he's got all the money. He's got all the all, all the uh, the animals, right? He's got a. He's probably got a home now. I mean, he is a wealthy man. He's successful. And Abraham, he's kicked back in his chair, or Abram at this time, he's kicked back in his chair, and he's like, "Man, this this whole thing worked out pretty well. I deceived Pharaoh. Now I'm rich, right? He was successful, but at what cost? Now he's separated from his wife. Like his wife is in the hands of another man. And sure, Abram was su- Abram was successful. He's got all the money. He's got everything that he could want. But but now his wife is gone. I wonder if Abram tried to try to justify this again. Like he's laying back, got all everything he could ever want. God. God, you know what? I came here. I did what I could. I provided for myself. Yes, yeah, sure, I had to tell a little lie, but you know what? I came here and I did what I could and so, so now I'm going to trust you with Sarah. Sarah, I'm going to trust you with her. I'm going to trust that you'll, you'll take care of her and that you'll protect her. I'm going to trust you with Sarah. I got it because I, I did what I could. And we would look at Abram and we would be like, dude, you're dumb. What do you mean you trusted God with Sarah? That, that doesn't even make sense. You should have taken care of her. So often, this is what we think about, right? I mean, I gotta go to work. I gotta, I gotta put in the hours, right? I, I gotta get that overtime. I, I, I've gotta, I've gotta spend time away from my family, right? I, I've gotta make that money so that I can save up for retirement. Like I gotta put money in my IRA. I, I've gotta get the work done. I've gotta make sure that I, I'm putting in sixty hours a week, right? I, I've gotta make sure that I'm saving up the money. I, I've gotta get all this stuff. Meanwhile, we have a wife at home that on love and kids that, that that don't have a mother or data see because when your desire to become successful trumps the life that you're living with family you're lacking hey dad can, you, can we do this can you go here no no no, no we dad has got to go to work at that mom can you mom can you come to my can you come here can you come to my game can you, you do, no, no, I, yeah, sweetie. But mom's got to go to work. Like dad's got to go. Hey, I got to save up for your college, right? Like UCLA, Harvard, like Yale. Where do you want to go? I'll, I'll send you wherever you want to go. You can get whatever degree you want to get because we got all this money saved up for college. No, dad, I, I, just, I just want you. Mom, I just want you to be around. I want you to be here. See, I love the, the country that we live in, I love the United States, but I fear that this is something to have gotten. Because success has become more. You don't believe me? Like, talk to a couple people. We've all seen that. We've all we've all been around that guy. Some of us we've been that guy. You you walk up to somebody, hey man, when's your day off? Like, when do you take a day off, man? (laughs) What's a day off? I don't know what that is. I I haven't taken a day off in years. Like, I I I don't take. Hey man, when when was your last vacation? Like, where are you going on vacation this year? (laughs) What's a vacation? I, I don't know what a vacation. What what is that? And we joke about it. And I find it funny that the command to keep the Sabbath is the only command in churches. That we're okay with breaking, like the command that God gave us to to take a rest, take take rest, right? To to rest our bodies because we weren't made to work seven days a week, and, and that's the only command that we are okay with disobeying. The only one. Sure, you might make six figures. Yeah, you might you might retire at fifty. You might work your way up the ladder, but what's the what's the because because Abraham he was successful, but the cost was just because you're, just because you're successful doesn't mean that you did. The right thing. Abraham didn't, he lied. And he was successful. That success didn't lie. And so you might be successful, but think about it, what's the cost? Like, is the cost of your success, your children, go growing up in a godly? Home? I find it funny that that the parents, they they'll they'll, they'll they'll when their kid wants to go to Bible college, they say, hey man, yeah, that's great, you can go to Bible college, but make sure you have a backup plan. Like just in case God doesn't come through, uh, make sure that that you can provide for yourself. What's the and I'm not just talking to dads tonight. I'm talking to, 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 to wives, to moms. I'm talking to teenagers. Because teenagers, we do the same thing, or they do the same. I say we because I would. Um, but we, we, sh- we push away our moms and dads because we want to be cool and we don't want people to see us love our moms and dads. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're cool with our friends. And so we, we kind of push away mom and dad. College students, right? We, we go off to college and then we never call our parents. And yeah, you might be successful, but what's the call? Because when success trumps family, it's because you're lacking in faith because you're lacking i wonder some of us is our desire to provide really just a lack of like is our desire is our need to constantly be working just a lack of trust that god is because when success the desire is successful many times it's so that's what we learned from abraham and those are just what abraham did but remember this series is not just about us becoming better christians this series is about learning who god is and so what do we learn from god Well, first of all, we learn that God pleads. Look at verse verse number seventeen. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh. Now, this happens to me sometimes. I don't know if it happens to you, but I'll read. I'll be reading scripture, and I'll read a verse, and I will kind of have a problem with it. And this is one of those verses that I have a problem with. Look, the and the Lord, like Abraham, he's just told this lie. He's deceived someone, and then it says, "And the Lord plagued Pharaoh." Like, hold on a second, God. Like, you might have plagued the wrong guy. I don't know what happened here. There might have been a mix-up, but. But you plagued Pharaoh, and Abram was the one that lied. And I I, I struggled with that for a really long time. Like, why did God plague Pharaoh rather than plaguing Abraham? And what I think we can learn from that verse is that God is a faithful God that will always... Because the fact is, if God didn't step in here, Sarai was. And we know from later in Scripture that God wanted the whole whole making Abram of, of many nations, he wanted that to come through Sarai. Because when Abram tries to replace Sarai with Hagar... We know that that didn't work out too well. Like, that's not what God wanted. And so, God, He wanted Sarai to be the mother of all of these nations. And so, God knew, hey, if Sarai is gone, then, then Abraham, he's, you know, he's not going to be made of many nations. And so, God knew He had to do something. Think about that. Abram lied, put himself in this situation, and God said, Man, I want to keep my promise. So, I'm going to be. See, even when we make really dumb mistakes, even when we do things that we shouldn't do, God is still a faithful God who will always, not sometimes, always keep, always. In Psalm 119.90, it says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth." When God was speaking of David in Psalm 89, he says, If his children forsake my law and walk not in my righteousness, if if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgressions with, with the rod and their iniquities with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from nor suffer my God says look i know you're gonna mess up and, and you're you're gonna be you're gonna be punished like you're gonna be chastised because i know that's not what best what's best for you and i want you to come back to me but i'll tell you this no matter how much you sin no matter how many mistakes you made no matter what you do in this life i will always keep my promise like you remember that promise that i that when i said that i will never leave you nor forsake you that you won't lose your salvation no matter how many wrong things you do yeah that promise that you feel like man i don't know if god loves me anymore i've made too many mistakes i feel like i may have lost my salvation God says, hey, you remember that promise I made you? I'll keep it, no matter what you... like." That is the God that we... We learn that God keeps his promises, and we also learn that God... We don't have time to go it, but this is the beginning of Abram. And God could have just said, you know what, Abram, we're done. That's it. I know I made that promise, but you failed, and so see you later. I'm going to find somebody that's not what God... God kept Abram. And then Abram, later on, he, he makes a huge mistake, right? He cheats on his wife with, with serving, so that he could, so that he could mm, fulfill God's promises and god later on in abram's story he makes the exact same mistake again he goes into another land and lies about who his wife is and another man takes his wife and what does god do he will always be patient there's an author that that once wrote that jesus doesn't get flustered or frustrated when you come to him for forgiveness that's the frustrated. he's not angry he looks at you god looks at you as if to live on to recap What are you not trusting? Like, what areas of your life did you look back at today? And you're like, hey, I'm using my own logic rather than what God said. And this is more important to me than my, I do not have faith. What's that thing that God pointed? And then my prayer tonight is for you to, one, see that area that you don't trust God. And then be able to look at the life of Abram and see that that area that you, that terrifying for you to trust God in. Because he's, Father, thank you for the story of.